0: Business consultants say that one of the challenges businesses have is to make their message clear and simple. And in fact, many say your message should be so simple it would fit on a bumper sticker. Some businesses have succeeded in doing this. The mission statement of Papa's restaurant is very simple. It's give them what they want. Their staff remembers it, and the customers remember it. Do any of you know the slogan for MasterCard? Not only would it fit on a bumper sticker, it's one word, priceless. Simplicity, clarity, focus. I found myself thinking about the call of the Christian faith. Is the Christian faith clear enough and direct enough and simple enough that it could be put on a bumper sticker? Looking at today's scriptures, the answer, I believe, is yes. Our drama ministry just a moment ago played out the Good Samaritan scripture, that famous passage. Our psalm today as well had a very simple but clear message. In fact, this whole idea of simplicity and clarity is the context for our scripture from Luke today. What you saw was the description of what Jesus conveyed to a lawyer who approached him with this question. The lawyer said to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave a very clear answer. Jesus said, love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's pretty clear unto itself. But it boils down to just four words. Love God, love neighbor. And after Jesus said this, he simply said to the lawyer, do this and you shall live. Eternal life begins now with action. The action of loving God, and loving neighbor. It is that clear, yet it's not necessarily simple. (laughs) Actually living that message with maturity and character and clarity is very difficult. It doesn't take much to realize that. Almost 80,000 people have died in Iraq over the last four years, 80,000 total. Neighborhoods fight over the color of paint of houses. So this whole issue of loving God and loving neighbor goes from the very serious, like in Iraq, to what seems almost silly in the sort of neighborhood battles that we see. The call for us is to be a congregation where this simple message of Jesus is lived out with clarity, loving God and loving neighbor. But it requires that gentle strength that we've been talking about, that character that comes from the inside. The foundation to love God and love neighbor happens as we draw on our faith to believe that we really can be that kind of congregation. We really can live that way. Gentle strength is lived out in faith, a faith that is revealed through this story of the Good Samaritan.
1: Good Samaritan people live with gentle strength. Gentle strength is grounded in faith and love. It was the gentle strength of faith that demanded the Samaritan abandon a set agenda and turn full attention to that injured one along the roadside. Only in faith does God... Healing power flow. The wind parted the waters once the Hebrews Hebrews believed, but not until they believed. Good Samaritan people who are alive with faith are wired up. They're hooked up to some invisible energy grid. That's why their lives give off such voltage, as if someone pumped up some extra megawatt into them. They're spiritually on fire as they have let God's touch work in them so that the inner and the outer are one. Hmm. What I love about this scripture today is that
0: there is powerful hope coming through. One of the messages that's coming through is that one person can make a difference no matter how overwhelming everything seems. And when one person begins to take that faith energy and live it in direct action with someone else, it releases more energy. When it happens in community, we live out the description that you just heard. We become a high-voltage congregation, a Good Samaritan congregation, a hopeful congregation. I've been keeping up with some of the work of MCC in Romania, and what's exciting there is that MCC's message is getting out. And in Romania, MCC is not known as the GLBTQ congregation. In Romania, MCC is known throughout that nation as the human rights church, a church that stands for equality. Yes, we work together here for the equality in our community, the GLBTQ community, but we're not a one-issue church. We also want to stand for the homeless, the hungry, the poor. We want to stand against domestic violence, and in standing against, we're actually standing for this kind of faith that's being described. A congregation that cares about what God cares about. And what does God care about? Anybody who needs help. It's that simple. Love God, love neighbor. Easy to memorize, difficult to live. Yet we will challenge each other to live in that way. So we take the faith, that's part of this gentle strength character, that faith leads to hope. But what really is needed for this to happen is good Samaritan love.
1: It was the gentle strength, of, gentle strength of love that stopped the Samaritan along the Jericho Road. It was the gentle strength of love that reached out and tended the wounds of that hurt traveler. It was the gentle strength of love that took the wounded one in for more care. The good Samaritan people live with gentle strength of love. In the midst of backbiting, name-dropping, self-praising, power-worshipping, faith-saving people, Christ makes us dare to care. That's good Samaritan discipleship. People who dare downward mobility rather than upward mobility. People who find themselves by losing themselves in others. People with a capacity to suffer for others. Yet good Samaritan people don't wallow in suffering. Good Samaritan people are also a live-it-up people who aren't afraid of abundant life, yet they have a deeper understanding of abundance. Good Samaritan people realize that abundance is not a treasure trove to spend on themselves, but a trust to invest in others.
0: When love becomes real, our faith becomes reinvigorated. And uh, one challenge I'd give to all of us today is even if you've been a member for 20 years here at Resurrection, go back to a membership class. The focus of those classes have really changed, and one of the things we do in membership class now is talk about values, the, the, the passion that drives us from the inside, that passion that's a part of this mature character. And uh, for the last two years when I've been going to membership class, I, I can't make it through uh, without breaking down because… I hear the clarity and the love and the passion that that is coming through, how God is drawing people to this place who really care about making a difference in the community, who really care about a faith that becomes absolutely real as lived out moment by moment, even when that's very difficult. I hope that every Sunday when I offer a message, I, I give some insight into how to take that Scripture and apply it to daily life. And as I looked at this Scripture today, it it was not a stretch at all. Uh, I see how Jesus is really challenging us to respond to direct need. And part of what occurred to me as I looked at our Scripture from Psalms today, and I looked at this Scripture, is that the Bible really is full of stories which actually are hate crimes. And hate crimes, they're an issue that we're facing today. In fact, this week, the Senate will probably be voting on some hate crime legislation. I found myself going back to the Hebrew Scriptures, and one of the things that became very clear is that one of the stories that's been used against the GLBT community, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, is actually the story of a hate crime. What happens in that story is that an outsider comes into a village, and rather than being welcomed, that person and that person's family are violently abused and humiliated rather than welcomed. A hate crime happens against them. It amazes me how this Scripture has somehow been turned to speak against GLBTQ people when actually the Scripture is very clearly the story of a hate crime. We see these stories of hate crimes throughout the Hebrew Scriptures and also in the New Testament. What is God's response to the hate crimes that happen when nation wars against nation, and individuals war against individuals? The prophets speak. They say, let justice roll down like a river. The prophet also says that God does not want our sacrifice, but mercy. Have mercy on one another. So when Jesus is speaking to this lawyer, In the New Testament today, Jesus is really just reiterating the message from the Hebrew Scriptures, love, God, love, neighbor, and love, and love, and love again. Today's Scripture, the Good Samaritan, is another example of a hate crime, a person who is other than, left beside the road, and I found myself drawn to that question who is our neighbor? And I found myself looking at a neighborhood not far from here. Spring, Texas. About a year ago, April 22nd, 2006, David Richardson went to a party. At that party, a disagreement erupted. And two young men, 117 and 118 beat David Richardson up, and left him for dead because he was Hispanic. I'd like you to hear his story because he took the crime that happened against him as a chance to begin to work for hate law, hate crime legislation, and he testified before the Judiciary Committee in Congress. His testimony happened on April 16th, just a little while ago. He tells his story And this is what he shared with that Judiciary Committee. Travis has agreed to share some of David's words with us today. Listen closely to this story, and you'll see how this story so closely parallels the Good Samaritan story from Luke.
2: I appear before you as a survivor of one of the most despicable, shocking, and heinous acts of hate violence this country has seen. On April 22, 2006, I was viciously attacked by two individuals because of my heritage as a Mexican-American. It was shortly after arriving at a private residence that a minor disagreement between me and the attackers turned into the pretext of what I believe was a premeditated hate crime. This was the moment that would change my life forever. After I was surprisingly sucker punched and knocked out, I was dragged into the backyard for an attack that would last for over an hour. Two individuals, one, an admitted racist skinhead, attempted to carve a swastika on my chest. Today, I still bear that scar on my chest, like a scarlet letter. I was left for dead. I lay unconscious in the backyard of this private residence for the next eight to nine hours. Weeks later, I recall waking up in the hospital with a myriad of emotions, including fear and uncertainty. Most of all, I felt an humiliation. I had to face the fact that I had been targeted for, for violence in a brutal crime because of my culture. The reality that hate is alive and thriving in cities, towns, and cul-de-sacs of suburbia, America was a surprise to me. I am here before you today, asking that our government take the lead in deterring individuals like those who attacked me from committing unthinkable and violent crimes against others because of where they are from, the color of their skin, the God they worship, the person they love, or the way they look, act, or talk. Today, I urge you to take the lead in this time of needed change, and approve the local law enforcement Hate Crimes Prevention Act of 2007. These crimes should be called what they are and prosecuted for what they are. Hate Crimes.
0: The testimony that you just heard from David ended up being effective. The House of Representatives passed the hate crimes legislation. I'd been following David's story ever since the story first broke in 2006. And um, when I left for conference along with about 50 folks from Resurrection, um, my assumption and understanding was that David was continuing to speak out against hate crimes with the hope that the Senate would also pass the hate crimes bill. As I began the message last Sunday and shared with you a message about sharing burdens and carrying burdens, I had not received the news of what happened just two weeks ago today. One of our members, Jim Rule, who is here, talked to me after the service and said, we need to do something about, about, about David, we need to do something. I said, tell me more, what, what, what happened? And that's when Jim shared with me that two weeks ago today, uh, the person whose testimony you just heard, David Richardson, was on a cruise to Galveston and uh, jumped uh, into the water and took his own life. Uh, even though he had tried so hard to take what had happened to him and to turn it for good with hate crime legislation, as you heard in that testimony, he talked about this inner humiliation. And uh, we don't know for sure all that was at work there, but probably between the pain and the humiliation, um, David felt he could not go on any longer. And. Uh, Reminds me that our, our, our neighbors are right here, that every person um, deserves a world that is just and fair and loving, and we can't be overwhelmed by it. Um, David eventually was overwhelmed. Uh, we can't begin to imagine what he went through, uh, but we are called to take action on his behalf and to live out that simple message, love God, love neighbor. If we just simply do that, Um, we won't be telling these kind of stories that we must tell. You've heard David's testimony, and thank you, Travis, for sharing that very difficult testimony. But also with us today is one of David's uh, neighbors, and not just a neighbor like many of us, just knowing him through the media, but someone who knew David personally and uh, someone who was touched by his life. And uh, if you could share just a little bit about David as someone who uh, loved him and knew him. Um,
3: I I taught at a campus where David went to school, and I was out of town, and I had some good friends of mine, Karen and Charlie, call me to inform me that David jumped off the ship. And it it hit pretty close to home because he was not just someone in the news. He was not just someone that I met in passing. He was someone that I worked one-on-one with in a classroom setting and I started to think about the things that David was attempting to do after going through such a horrific attack and to step out in the forefront and be seen and known by by thousands of people after being attacked like he was was huge. To me, it's, sh- it, it showed me that that's what God wants from us. He wants us to not just talk about, but he want us to, wanted us to walk about Amen. and show that light. And I think David was attempting to do that with his works through the legislation. And while I was with my brother in Colorado and I got that phone call from Charlie and Karen, I was like, you know, if that were me that was attacked and something happened to me, my brother would be outraged. I have, a, I have a two brothers and a, and a sister. And I know my parents, my friends, and my family would come in a storm and want to do everything possible for me and make sure justice was done on my behalf. But they know me. They're my siblings, they're my, my parents, they're my friends. Um, we don't know everyone that's attacked. But they have loved ones. He has parents, he has siblings, he has friends. I don't know if you watched the 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 funeral on TV, but the church was packed. David was someone. We may not have known David, but someone knew David. And I know that Duane is going to ask us all to become active, to become actively involved with making change. Let's don't dwell on the things that we can't do. Let's work on dwelling on the things that we can do. And if that means just making a signature on a piece of paper and sending it off to Congress, don't dwell on the things we can't do. What can we do to help? David and others like David.
0: Thank you. Thank you for your willingness to share. All right. I'm not going to frustrate you today by giving you a challenge without giving you the tools to meet the challenge. We do have some neighbors who need our help. David's family needs our help in processing their grief. His family needs to know they're not alone in grief. His family needs to know that there is a church in the Heights called Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church that is standing with them. So as you leave this service today, there's a table set up in the gathering place. It's called the Take Action Table. And at that table, you will find some cards that you can sign for his family. Also at that table, you're going to find lots of information on the reality behind hate crimes, the statistics around hate crimes, some great educational materials. You'll see some religious leaders who have spoken out against hate crimes, information on them as well. You will also be able to immediately sign a letter to our senators that will go in the mail first thing tomorrow. So I ask each of you, the letters are all prepared, all you need to do is sign and put your address and information there, and, and we'll get that in the mail for you. If uh, you're more techy, in our bookstore we have a computer set up with a website, already all you have to do again is go in there, put in some information, and that letter is going to be set off immediately um, electronically. We looked at how the scripture can be so clear and so concise, the message again. Love God, love neighbor. The next message, do this and live. I would add a third message based on understanding that our neighbor is right here. And that message is this, take action for David. That person in our scripture, we didn't know that person's name. That person who we saw today on this bench, we didn't know that person's name. But we know David's name, and we are called to be a neighbor to him and to his family and to all those who are victims or potential victims of hate crimes. Love God, love neighbor. Do this and live. Take action for David. Amen.